This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin. I was going to be joined by Moira Karatai, but she's dashed Jack off to hospital who's fallen off his bicycle. Get well, Jack. Apparently he is going to be all right. So that's all right. They're just checking things out. And so I am joined by Davina Thompson from Cowrail. Kia ora, Davina. Kia ora. So, how has your bubble life been? Um, yeah, I uh, it's been actually um, very, very um, fulfilling um, on a nation, well, more of a North Island scale. So, I um, Ended up making over 1,200 raw packs for families. Um, yeah, which was very, very um, fulfilling. Yeah. You have your own family? Yes, I do. Yeah, I do have my own family. Yeah. And you still, you've, you still had time in lockdown to be. Caring for everybody else's family as well. Yeah, and uh, my family got out and helped other people's families, so that was nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good really thing nice. to do. Yeah. What ages? Yeah. What ages do you have? Um, I have my oldest is nineteen, and my youngest is two. Wow! So you have the full yeah. range of homeschooling and people wanting to get out and about and needing looking after. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was very good. It was really good. And um, um, also my, you know, like my partner and my son and all my children, we come under the essential worker. Um, we also work during like our own work during that time so yeah it actually felt like um, when everyone else was at home we were still making the wheels go round and helping whānau that were in fear and you know um, yeah because it was quite a scary time but at the same time it was time um, to help others yeah that sounds like an amazing way to to hold your own family together to be to be doing that that work for the community. Yeah, it's just what our family do. It's what we've, that's how we've been raised. So it's it's just normal. Yeah. Yeah. And and I see you're involved in in lots of things. I, I Muriel was telling me about ask her about some catfish. So I'll ask you about catfish and ask her about the 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 um the the sports was it sports adventure sports life education thing that you're involved in. You sound like yeah. a busy person. Yeah, always got different co-proper going on, which is awesome. You know, like uh, I enjoy being outdoors and um, teaching my kids all all different things about life and. And then also um, helping rangatahi and Fano as well. And um, yeah, so yeah, 
I do some biosecurity work as well, um, and that's monitoring the catfish in the lakes of Te Arawa, and also done that during the COVID time, so, um, which was really, really nice because the lakes were just so serene. It was peaceful and just driving on the roads and just being out there and everything was still, but being out in nature in the tile and um, just feeling like it was their time to play, that's what it was like. Um, and, and during that time was actually my highest catches of catfish during that COVID time. I haven't caught as many again. I'm not sure because it was the season or if it was COVID, I'm not sure. But yeah, I haven't caught as many as I did during COVID time. So I yeah. presume that the catfish are introduced? Yes, they're introduced. Um, um, it was, looks, by the looks of things, it was the Acclimatisation Society. Back in the days, they were called the Acclimatisation Society. And uh, they thought it was a good idea to bring catfish to New Zealand uh, for recreational sport. And now um, they seem to think that because the catfish can live up to two to three days out of water, all they need is just like a little bit of water under them or around them, and they can just live. Right. Um, so what they think is that the catfish had gone into a trailer, a boat trailer from Topo, and had sat in that trailer, and then that boat trailer had come into Lake Rotorua, and then the catfish had come into our lakes. So, yeah, they're in currently in Lake Rotorua and Lake Rotiiti. Yeah. And they're a problem. Yeah, they're a huge problem. Um, they love to eat our Tonga species. So they love to eat the coda and especially the eggs. So since we've found that the catfish have come into our lakes, um, the number of coda, our number, yeah, our, po our coda population has decreased, but the catfish population has um, increased. So yeah. So what's the... They seem to like the native stuff, and they leave the, the non-native stuff alone, which is... That's a bit unfortunate. <laughs> so what's the plan to get rid of them? We set our fike nets. So we've got fike nets um, set in uh, both Lake Rotorua and Lake Rotiti, and we've actually got quite a huge... Um, um, group of volunteers from Kohangareo to primary schools to high schools to community groups to marae. So we've got the whole um, spectrum of volunteers helping. And yeah, every day we have different people come in and check all the nets and um, yeah, we help eradicate the catfish. It's always interesting when that kind of strategy is as much about people as, as it is about the the fish. It's not just a technical problem. It's a how do we engage the community in this whole thing? Yeah, yeah, and it's really cool because you. It's also a great opportunity for the community and especially children to have that connection or to make that connection with the water, with the lakes and with the land and with this with the species that live in the lakes. So, you know, they're making that yeah, they're making that connection which is actually quite magical when you see some kids have never touched a fish before. And then they learn, they build the courage up to touch a fish, little, and then the catfish is so ugly, you know, so it's it's a good confidence booster for them as well. Yeah. yeah. 
Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Fleetwood Mac with Dreams. Why this one? Um, I like the words, and also it's a song that when I listen to it, it takes... Yeah, my mum used to listen to it all the time, so funny. I ended up with one of my favourite songs. So when I looked you up, it said international CrossFit athlete. All oh, right, um, I've done a bit of CrossFit, but um, yeah, <laughs> it was probably back in my younger days. I did. I went to the CrossFit Games and did some judging there. So the first Kiwi to go over and judge in the the CrossFit Games, which was really cool. That sounds mm. cool. 
have you always been an athletic kind of person or was that doing stuff? Yeah. 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 It, it was uh, my, um, well, like any kid, it's play, it's fun. <laughs> and you, uh, you play relays, you play run around the block with your friends because we didn't have, you know, you don't have internet and all that stuff. So playing outside was our fun. And it just carries on being the same feeling. It carries on being fun. Yeah. And now you've taken that passion to and the passion for people and, and young people in particular because you, you've set up a, it's called School of Hard Knocks? Yeah, yep, yep. Tell us so what that School is. Of Hard Knocks is. Yeah, that's that's really cool. It's a new co-couple that I've um, become part of. I'm actually pretty grateful to to be in that space. Um, so I'm one of the kayako for the Kauro Roku, the Kauro cohort, and um, yeah, it's a new space. We're just developing it this year. A new model, so it's you know we're we're learning as we're going, um, and just hopefully, hopefully next, hopefully we'll be able to get funding to be able to roll it out next year as well. So um, yeah, it's about giving li uh, life skills for the rangatahi. Um, these are the rangatahi that um, don't really fit into mainstream schools. Well, actually, they don't fit into mainstream schools. And um, so they come on board and we, um, yeah, just be there for them, teach them some life skills. And um, so, yeah, today, actually today, four of my, uh, four of my students, they started work today. And so that's the ultimate that... You know that we want them to get into the workforce. Um, yeah, so today four started, and on Monday one started, and next week we have one more starting work, and then we'll only have one more student left. So, yeah, hopefully, yeah, we can guide them on a path, and then be there for them for their first days of work. Yeah, it's a nice uh, entry into the workforce. Um, lots of these kids uh, have low self-esteem, so it's about building up their confidence, building up their self-esteem, getting their birth certificates, getting their IRD numbers, getting their bank accounts, getting them an FPOS card, um, you know, teaching them how to get up and plan their lunches and, you know, um, just organise their day. Some of us think it's pretty easy. I mean, it's still hard for me as an adult, but um, it's just giving them those skills. Um, and so now they're in the workforce, which I felt like staying there with them because I had their induction this morning. I dropped them off and, you know, I woke them all up, picked them up, dropped them off, and I actually wanted to sit in the circle with them as they were getting inducted, but I, you know, I've got to pull away. <laughs> so I pulled away, and then I went back in again, and then I put some more food in their lunch, in their bags, and then I put their bags by their table, and then I had to leave. So, yeah. <laughs> and then I had a good day, so it was cool. And then they said, you know, oh, fire work was easy. It's like, yes, you know, I don't want them to say, oh, we're coming back to course, I don't like work, it's, it sucks, and, you know, so, yeah, they did really well. Well mm. done. That's like that, yeah. those sort of cartoons that you see of little kids starting school and they're saying, yeah, I've done school, I don't think I need to go back tomorrow, though. But yeah. you've managed, <laughs> yeah. you, you managed to get them past that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi arohanu, kia koutou ko tāhuahau. Hope you're all having a best day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. And I really hope that wherever you are and whatever is happening this journey, that we're all on together. 
has proven to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day who you are. The triumph of nature's art, perfect, union and here and things better. So as we all know, we have moved through this journey from lockdown level four to the freedom of level one that we're in. And for all of us, this has inspired different aspects of ourselves to come forward along the way. And Harvey Penfold and I are having some time apart. He is needing to go up north and reconnect with his whanau, with himself as he is now, and experience freedom up there. That is what he is needing right now. So it's always interesting when these very concrete things in our lives shift. When we're used to having someone with us every day and they're very much a part of our lives and then they will be gone, what this means. And of course it means that there is a space there that our own self can span to fill, can enjoy that sense of spaciousness and freedom and release. But of course there's also the grief and the sadness that that person is not there sharing their presence that we love with us in in their physical form. So I would definitely be working through, as I'm sure we can all relate to, a rollercoaster of emotions over the next few days. And I had the great pleasure of instructing a giant costume yesterday and I'll continue to work on that today. And this is for the Red Cross charity art auction that I'm emceeing tonight. And the costume is made of all of these little pieces from from artworks for the art auction. So I went around and took photos, but I didn't take photos of the whole artwork. I just took photos of parts of it and then have got a big piece of plastic that's used for a tablecloth and stick all the pictures inside it to make the costume. It's very simple, but it works really well. And what this got me thinking about, of course, is that for all of us, we are presenting our own stories, our own understandings, partially. I think it's hard for us to consciously communicate everything that we perceive and everything that we understand, everything that we are. We can share parts of these masterpieces, these moments in our lives, these formative experiences, these perceptions, these shifts that we're moving through. And I think for beautiful Harvey Penfold and I, there was that partial sharing. And hopefully now there can be a more full appreciation, a more full understanding of each other. So more of those masterpieces come into view. But I hope that for all of you, whatever shifts are taking place in your life, sometimes it can be a large shift, sometimes just small things, that you're feeling the love and support of those around you, that you're feeling all the skills that you possess are there for you, to help you, and that you can see that what you're experiencing is part of a much bigger picture of collective co-evolution and is of benefit to you as you move through your life, growing and developing. I also really hope that whatever parts of you you're choosing to share, that they are being appreciated, that they are being recognised, and that you're having the opportunity to recalibrate and reorganise these aspects of yourself in a way that is best for you. And in just the same way as I will be further adorning this costume later today, I hope you have the opportunity to create something meaningful and beautiful from these experiences that you're choosing to share. And I'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kokite. What got you into this kind of work? Has it always been a passion? Yeah, it has. It's always been a passion for me. Um, only because I've, you know, it's the way that I was raised. It's what how I was brought up. Um, and I, I used... Um, sport and fitness to have some um, routine and structure and discipline and work ethics in my life. So, and I guess it's because it triggered like that um, that happy response in my brain going back to childhood. So I used uh, sport and fitness. It triggered that happy response, and you know everything else. Um, weaves into it, and does that combine easily with the the the, the environmental concern? I, I see with the, the the school of hard knocks, you've you've got them gardening, and and it, it's not just about themselves, but it's caring for the environment for other people. Yeah, yeah. So they do um, every week or every 
fortnight. They do service to community. So service to community, like last week for instance, on Friday we did some tree planting at the Roto Hotaka Trust um, wetlands. So we did um, some tree planting there. They're trying to restore long-term restoration program there. So we took our rangatahi there, and um, you know they do they did some input there, and uh, we've gone to the kohangareo and we've helped do the lawns and um, try and help landscape the um, the outside because all the the kayako are so busy with the tamariki. Um, yeah. And I take them on a work experience with me, um, monitoring the catfish. Uh, we've done some pest control on Makoya Island. So, yeah, I try and expose them to heaps of different um, career pathways because it might, it might, you know, inspire them to undertake um, whatever career. Yeah. No wonder you're worried that they yeah. don't want to leave. That sounds like they're having a great time. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's coming close to like the ending of the course now, and they're understanding like they want things like they want to move into their own house or they want a car. Or they want, you know, that there's things that they they want now because you know they're putting value into their lives, and um, so they, you know, they have to work to get the car, or they have to work to move into a house, and yeah, that's cool. Moira keeps telling me that an important thing that we need to be working on is helping people to know that choices are possible that people are able to have that kind of a, a goal and to choose to to go in that direction and and for a lot of people that might have been missed earlier on yeah 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 absolutely yeah i think so too and it's also about Most of these kids have, yeah. Most of these kids have come from really broken families and broken, you know, really hard upbringings. So, um, gang-affiliated, um, violence, drugs, just alcohol, everything. So, um, yeah, they they do have the ability to change their paths in life. You know, it's what they're raised in is not the end of the is not the end of the road for them. You know, they can create more, and um, and I think that's where you know I just keep telling them, you just need to believe, just carry on, you can do it. You know, because I don't have, I still don't have anything, but you know, I come from that same setting, and um, yeah. Do you think, think that it's the, a lot about belief? And... Do you think that the lockdown has been seen as taking things away because it has taken away choices from people, or perhaps it's been more of actually a positive thing that people have seen that if the community sets its mind to do something, it can do it. How is that playing it out with your with your young people? Absolutely, yeah. It's um, the COVID brought out a lot of compassion, brought back compassion in the community. Um, it brought back that caring and sharing for your neighbours. You know that kind of that same thing. The last time I saw that would have been in the eighties. And then it started kind of tapering out in the 90s. And then, like, nowadays, you know, you probably don't even say hello to your neighbour. Or you say hello and then that's kind of it. But that COVID time, 
really um, it ignited compassion again and caring and empathy and um, and also you know um, we don't need all the stuff you know get back to growing vegetables get back to learning how to make bread um, how to cook you know um, and also just on education level I was just on now uh, zoom before this it also taught the education um, uh, places and spaces that we don't need to be in class we don't need to be all to together you know controlled we can actually even the workspace we don't need to be in an office all in one room we can actually do this in our own home and then go out and do our work outside you know of our home we don't have to be in one office together so mm. it's interesting that the be kind message has been really successful and that really i mean that's a you described it, compassion and empathy and so on, and, and that seems well described in terms of the be kind message. But there's another bigger question is, why did it take this for us to know that that was important? As you say, it's been, we've been drifting away from that for, for some decades. Yeah. What's that about? Yeah. Yeah. I think everyone's forced to go to work. Everyone's forced to make a dollar. Everyone's, everyone's living in. I don't know. I just feel everyone's living in um, their little. Even that's funny though. Even though we get told to stay in our bubbles, we're actually living in little bubbles anyway, yes. like solid bubbles where we didn't see everyone. But then they become transparent bubbles, and everyone started seeing everyone. I really like that model or that idea of we were living in solid bubbles anyway and it's just made them transparent. It's been interesting that the the thing that we couldn't do, which was get out and be with people, really reinforced to us that we actually want to be with people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, like, and just seeing everyone share food so openly the last time that was so open like that was when my grandmother was alive my grandparents and yeah it was just a really nice space to be in I didn't want lockdown to finish actually and I was actually hoping that would go back into lockdown again um, yeah yeah in terms of the the, the lockdown people are describing it as a, a time for a reset other people are saying what we need now is a recovery and other people are saying no no what we need to do is have a bit of a rethink or a regeneration how are you seeing that um i think it's probably a good i guess it was a trauma response or a trigger i guess you know the the uh, COVID, um, and I reckon it's it's a good teaching, a good learning that we can actually survive in our own country, and you know look after each other, look after the small businesses instead of the big, you know the big um, you know international businesses that come in, and yeah. I think teach us how to um, be a nation again. Of all of the uh, changes that we've seen over the last few months, what do you think is going to stick and what do you hope will stick? Hmm. Um. What I hope will stick is our unity, um, the the universal, um, the universal, uh, the universal language of kindness and 
sharing and being there for one another and yeah then that's it and you know like even even pets got looked after better people's dogs and cats got looked after better <laughs> so that yeah that universal language of kindness you've that's that's a that's also a a, a nice way of describing that and, and, and we need to look after it and I think that you know, as, as we were talking about before we've drifted from that over the last mm. over the last years so what can we do to help it stick um, I, yeah just keep just keep having that undercurrent of that feeling of, you know, of that kindness, of that compassion, of um, of that spirit, that spirit that was there during the COVID, that stays with everyone. Um, because when that lockdown happened, the second lockdown was about to happen. That was quite a, a um, that was a very um, vulnerable time for Māori, you know, because there were lots of conspiracies and, you know, like I was also part of it. Um, it could have potentially gotten worse if we didn't have a lot of our Māori leaders saying, you know, don't fall into these conspiracies because what was happening was that it was actually splitting our people apart and uh, it was was quite bad it was, yeah but people you know it kind of it settled back down again and it's not so bad now because it wasn't a conspiracy and it was just like well and you had our Māori leaders, our staunch Māori leaders that were, that stood, you know, put the pole in the ground and said, you know, just take it, you know, take this seriously, you know, and yeah. But it could have had the, it could have had the potential to do a lot of damage. Yeah. I think it's a credit to the country that despite the fact that we're in an election, it hasn't torn us apart completely. If, if we look at what's happening in the states, you know, if not looking at the, the the COVID success, but just the, you know, when you talk to people in the states, it is so polarized. It's just incredible, and, and we might think we are here, but we're not really. We've actually managed to to stick together. You know, people on on all sides of the political divide will happily talk about the team of of five million that notion that we're all in this together and we've done it together does mm. seem to be strong yeah yeah i think it is i think i think oh like new zealand was such a beautiful country and we're such a small country like everyone everyone wants to care for one another you know like um if the news is up north, everyone shows compassion for the people up north. Um, you know, whereas other bigger countries, no one would care less about someone. You know, something that happened up north. And let's take Bob Marley and redemption. Ships. Minutes after they took I from the bottomless pit, but my hand was made strong by the end of the Almighty. We forward in this generation triumphantly. 
Won't you help to sing These songs of freedom Cause all I ever have Redemption songs Redemption songs Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery None but ourselves can free our minds Have no fear for atomic energy Cause none of them can stop the time How long shall they kill our prophets While we stand aside and look Some say it's just a part of it We've got to fulfill the book Won't you help to sing These songs of freedom Cause all I ever have Redemption songs Redemption songs Redemption songs Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery None but ourselves can free our mind Oh, have no fear for atomic energy Cause none of them cannot stop at the time How long shall they kill our prophets While we stand aside and look Yes, some say it's just a part of it We've got to fulfill the book Won't you help to sing These songs of freedom Cause all I ever had Redemption songs All I ever had Redemption songs Songs of freedom Songs of freedom Okay, I have some questions to end the show with. What is the biggest yeah. success you've had in the last couple of years? Biggest success. Oh, probably having my son, my number five, because he was a big, he was a big fella, big bugger. Yeah, um, yeah, that was probably my biggest success, and probably completing my bachelor's in humanities. Yeah, I'd never thought I could pass it or even do a bachelor's in my life. So that was such a huge. Um, success yeah so we are writing a book of these conversations it's called tomorrow's heroes so you are in our oh. team of people doing good work what's your superpower what's got you into the mansion ah. ask the person over your shoulder what your superpower is what's my superpower um <laughs> she said reading the moon but mm, <laughs> I like what's my oh I did it in the horns healing so healing I got lots in there. You said healing. There was a list. There was reading the moon, listening, yeah, something else, healing. Um, Rumua, running, lifting. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. 
So do you consider yourself to be an activist? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think when I did my Bachelors of Humanities, I had some really amazing kayako that taught me a lot about myself and about life and taught me about, um, you know, like there's no wrong and there's no right in, in the world. Um, before I was really, I was quite staunch in, you know, uh, you know, what I thought was right was right. And, um, yeah, so I was taught a lot about um, universalism and also having respect for other cultures and for other people and um, humanity, yeah, humanity. So, yeah, I am uh, consider myself an activist but also open, open to other people's um, activism. <laughs> so what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? What gets me out of bed in the morning? Um, well, what gets me out of the bed in the morning is just being grateful to be alive because I watched my mum go through um, cancer and take her in seven weeks, and you went. She went from a healthy person to just a skeleton, and then just stopped breathing. So that taught me a lot about um, about the preciousness of life and not to give up and don't um, fall as a victim and. You know, just don't, don't, yeah, don't give up and appreciate everything. And mm, just those simple values that my mum just fought hard for in her last days. Those simple values become precious values. And, yeah. That's a that message mm. is a is a very good legacy. What is the mm. biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Finishing my thesis, that is probably my biggest challenge at the moment. And then, you know, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but it's just been approved today, well, the first stage approved, um, uh, to do the work, um, to do work with the Health Research Council in um, Maramataka. And that is a PhD um, opportunity for myself. So, yeah, that's probably my biggest challenges going on in my head at the moment. <laughs> awesome. That's so exciting. Yeah. So lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Mm. Embrace life, um, show compassion, and um, just be just be a good human being. Be a nice human being. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much for that. You're very welcome. Thank you. Yeah. What a nice way to end the day. Let's go out to... Let's have Fleetwood Mac again. Everywhere.
Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I was joined today by Davina Thompson in Cowrell. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.